Orlando, you can just pause. Just pause it. We're having lots of technical difficulties this morning, which I feel like is fitting given the topic, given the topic of this morning. Um, but one thing I would love to do is, uh, is can we just give our production crew a round of applause as they've navigated all sorts of challenges. The unfortunate thing with our production team is you often only notice them when things are going wrong, and so I, I'm just I'm grateful for each of you. Well, good morning. Welcome to Collective Church. My name is Tyler. I'm one of the pastors here. I lead alongside of my incredible wife, Lee. We're glad that you are with us. And we're in this series called The Early Church. And so today we're continuing our exploration of the early church And we're going to look at a passage in Acts chapter 2. Last week, we explored Jesus' reminder of the gift of the Holy Spirit, offering power to be his witnesses. And today, we see that gift show up. But before we dig into the discussion of the Holy Spirit, I want to acknowledge as a church, we are a church that is made up of diverse experiences with church different denominations, different, different backgrounds if we've been in church, some that are very different than collective. And for some of us, even the idea of the Holy Spirit immediately makes our kind of walls come up and we're like, I've seen this and I've seen weird stuff and I'm not sure I want to do this. For others, we're just a little apprehensive and for others, we're like, go further. We have all different experiences. So I just want to, I want to acknowledge that. Even for me, and I'll share a little bit more about my experience, but I grew up in a Baptist church with a Baptist pastor as a dad where I was told about the Holy Spirit who would convict of sin, but I wasn't really able to engage with much else that I saw with the Holy Spirit. And so I approached the Holy Spirit with boundaries where I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with you doing this. You can convict of sin You can maybe heal every once in a while if it's your will, but other than that, I'm pretty hesitant. And yet, God took me on this amazing journey of strengthening and shaping my faith and understanding. And I've seen places where the church is trying to drum something up. It's like, get the music a little louder, make it feel a little bit more emotionally manipulative so we feel like I I need to respond. And I just, I want to just let you know from our perspective as pastors is that we don't believe that we have to force God to do anything or create this environment where we manufacture or manipulate anything. Instead, what we want to do is we want to invite the Holy Spirit to move in our midst however he sees fit. And so I recognize that for some of us, we're like, I don't know what that might look like. And this is why I think that a topic like today is important. Because the big question is, if we look at the early church and we see the early church as it grew, we see the Holy Spirit at the center of every single thing that they did. He was essential to the spread of the early church. And if he's essential to the spread of the early church, is it possible that maybe he's essential to the church today? Is it possible That instead of approaching scripture with our preconceived notions where we go, I've always been told this, that we're instead invited to reread the New Testament and see the Holy Spirit at work through all of it. To recognize that maybe, just maybe, we've come in and missed him. Are we open to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he might want to do? 
And is it possible for some of us? I've been in this camp where we've missed out on something that God wants to do because we're so concerned about keeping our barriers up and less interested in inviting the Holy Spirit to move as he would like to move. The Holy Spirit is an essential part of following the way of Jesus. There's this quote by John Stott that says this, Without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. There can be no life without the life giver, no understanding without the spirit of truth, no fellowship without the unity of the spirit, no Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit, and no effective witness without his power. As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the spirit is dead. And so if you would be so bold as to take a step with me, to open your eyes, to open your ears, and to pray a really simple prayer that the early church prayed, that that throughout history has been significant and really, really simple. If you would be so bold as to pray this prayer with me, would you close your eyes? Holy Spirit, come. Amen. The early church would pray that prayer, Holy Spirit, come. It wasn't this big established thing, this long road prayer, just Holy Spirit come. That's my prayer for us today. And so I want to read from a passage of Acts 2, and I want to read it in in its entirety, and then we'll unpack it piece by piece. Acts 2, verse 1 to 13. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them a stability. At, this time, at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Now, are you ready for a bunch of difficult names to pronounce? Ready for that? I'm going to do my best. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia. Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. Let's pray. God, I pray that in these moments that you would be the one that speaks. You know where each of us are at. You know all the things that are distracting us and causing us not to be present with you. I pray that you would, that you would still anything that is unsettled, that you would quiet the noise, and your still small voice would whisper directly to our heart. God, help us to experience you, to meet you in your, these words that we find in Scripture, in your words, and to be changed. God, I need your words. We need you. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way. In Jesus' name.
Amen. So let's work through it. In verse 1, we find, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And so previously in chapter 1, Jesus had said to, the, to this early fledgling church, hey, wait for the gift. Wait for the gift that I'm going to send of the Holy Spirit. And so then they did. They were all meeting together in one place. There was a sense of unity as they gathered together in one place in this community. And all of this happens on the day of Pentecost. Now, you might wonder, what does that even mean? The word Pentecost is from a Greek word that means 50th. And the significance of Pentecost is that it was 50 days after Easter, or 50 days after the Passover, after Jesus had died and been buried and rose again. And so this day is significant for the Jewish people. They would have celebrated and feasted And for the early church, it becomes significant. The Holy Spirit was going to show up on this day, Pentecost, 50 days after Easter. And in verse 2, it says, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now, I want us, as we're reading scripture like this, to understand that there is historical elements to what we're finding in Acts, and just to picture it for a moment. Imagine we're all in this room, and suddenly there was a sound like heaven, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. Like, it'd be pretty intense, right? You'd be looking around going, what is happening? Like, if that just happened in this room, I think all of us would pay careful attention And then what happens is these flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each person in the room individually. And so the Holy Spirit is doing something corporately, but he's also doing something individually in people. Now, I want us to understand the significance of this picture. The idea of flames and tongues of fire should evoke something for us. It certainly did for the early church. As Jewish people, they would have understood that this has significance In the Old Testament, we find someone named Moses. And Moses rescued the Israelites from the Egyptians. And he rescues them from captivity. And as they are adventuring away from Egypt, God is leading them. And through the day, God leads them by a pillar of fire. And so the Israelites at that time would have had this picture in their mind. Okay, fire, this represents something. It represents God's presence. But the Israelites had this mode of worship where God was present only in the temple. Now suddenly what we find here in Acts 2 is that God's presence is not reserved for a couple of people, select religious leaders. Instead, his presence is poured out to everyone. Suddenly God's not in the temple anymore. Instead, he's in the temple of the body of Christ, in people, in followers of Jesus. This represents a monumental shift. And I think sometimes we read it and we just go, yeah, of course that happens, but I want us to understand how substantial this is. Used to God being at a distance, suddenly now followers of the way of Jesus, God was close to them. And it reminds us in this that that God's presence is not just poured out for a select group of people, but for all People, Fire falls in this scenario. And it's not just a a pretty fire show, a little pyro show. It's not just about the loud noise. Instead, something significant is happening. 
God's not just trying to dazzle them. He's also trying to do something through the people that are meeting. And it says in verse 4 that everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And so everyone in this room is filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' language in Acts 1. And as a result of that, the Holy Spirit gives every single person in that room the ability to speak different languages. And in the church, we might call this tongues or speaking in tongues. Maybe you've heard that phrase and you're not sure what it means. Or you've heard that phrase and you're like, I don't trust that. What we find here is something significant. Here we find one of the two kinds of speaking in tongues that we see through the New Testament. There are two primary kinds. There's the, the known or the public tongues. And then there's the unknown or the private tongues or interpreted by someone else. So there are the kinds of tongues where someone speaks in a foreign language they don't know. God gives them the ability to speak suddenly in a language that they did not know. And, and that's meant to be public. It's meant to do what we see here. And then there's also the private kind of tongues. There can be the times that we're speaking in a language that we might not understand. And, and if we're in an environment where there's, there are other people, there's an interpretation that happens. Or maybe in our prayer life, as we're praying, we're, we're praying in words that are not our own. And we're praying in tongues. This is the known kind of tongues. The believers who were waiting for the Holy Spirit are suddenly fluent in another language. Now just imagine for a second what that would be like. Our kids, Ava and Parker, seven and five, they're in a French immersion school. So they're learning French, which is dangerous as a parent. Because Lee and I have acknowledged there's going to be a time, and it'll be when they're teenagers and extra sneaky, that they're going to be able to speak, and we're not going to know what they're saying. Well, imagine if our kids who have done French immersion are fluent in French, and all of a sudden God goes, perfect, and then Lee just picks up French. And is like, I know exactly what you're saying. It'd be pretty miraculous, right? And so we find this happening. God actually giving, Holy Spirit giving the gift of tongues. And so everyone that was, at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. So I want you to just think for a moment again. Picture this. So inside of the room, they hear this loud noise like a windstorm, like a rushing wind, but it's not just reduced to just in the room. People outside hear it too, and they're like, what is happening? And it's a little bit like God's going, I'm going to get everyone's attention. Now again, remember that, that this is Pentecost, so it is a feast. And feasts at that time were not just ones that they sat in their home, in their living room, and just kind of did their own thing. It was everyone came from surrounding areas into Jerusalem. So you have a whole bunch of people, many of which are not locals, that are around. Now notice this in God. God is saying, I'm going to do something, but it's not just going to be some small little internal thing. I'm going to draw people in, and then when they're in Jerusalem, I'm going to get their attention. And I think that this is such a beautiful reminder of who God is and how he positions his church. God's timing is perfect. And so all these people that are gathered into Jerusalem, many of which speak different languages. 
And they're faced with this group of people that are from the area where they heard this sound come from, suddenly speaking in different languages. Because they're speaking not just in obscure languages, they're speaking in your language. Imagine if you were traveling somewhere where it would make no sense for someone to speak English, and they were. You would immediately feel an affinity to that person. You'd be going, what do, you, do you speak English? Do you know that? Now imagine being the other person on their side that just has got this gift that didn't know they could speak a different language. And how much of an interesting experience that must have been. You know, you would be confused and bewildered and amazed. You would be responding going, what is happening? But I'll tell you what would definitely be happening is that God would have your attention. Is that whatever other things that were distracting you, you would be completely present in that moment. And it says in verse 7 that they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And I'm definitely not going to reread all of those different areas. You can read it on your own time. But notice how many there are. Like, it's not just one group. It's like, hey, so God showed up in Quebec, and, he, and, and people spoke French. And you're like, that's cool. You see a, a whole list of people, many different groups of people with different languages, and it's not just a parlor trick. It's not just where you have a bunch of disciples and they're speaking in different languages and going, bonjour, comment ça va? It's none of that. It's like, what do we see in Scripture? We see, we hear that this is the people that speak other languages. They're listening and they go, we hear, we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They're not just testifying on some random thing where they're like, hey, welcome to Pentecost. It's great to have you. Instead, they're sharing about the wonderful things that God has done. And they're doing it in the language where people cannot ignore what they're hearing. They hear it directly. Something significant is happening here. And it reminds us that in the context of the church that miracles are never meant to just be for Christians to pat themselves on the back and go, wasn't that cool? Miracles were always meant to be signposts, examples of God's power in our midst. It was always meant to draw people into Jesus. It was meant to help them to see he is who he says that he is. And so it's important for us to understand in our life that as we experience things that are miraculous, they are not meant to keep to ourselves. It's not just for our own benefit. It's for the benefit of those around us that don't yet know Jesus. These miracles, this miracle serves as a reminder of God's power and the good news of Jesus. And so then they responded. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. Now, our response to the Holy Spirit can be what we see in this passage. We can experience amazement. Or we go, wow. We can experience bewilderment. We're going, what do I do with this? What, what do I make of this? And we can experience dismissal. We go, eh, I'm just going to ignore that and pretend it didn't happen. They're probably just crazy anyway. We see different responses. And I think all of us at some level have a tendency on how we respond to the Holy Spirit. And it ebbs and flows depending on the season that we are in. Some of us, we have seasons where we're just 
we're in awe of what God has done. And for others, like, I don't even know what to make of all of this. And for others, even right now, you go, I honestly just, I think I'm good. I'm okay with a faith that is intellectual. I'm not sure I want a faith that is like that and experiential. We see a tendency for some to dismiss what the Holy Spirit is doing in the early church. This happened in that time, and it happens today for us. And admittedly, some of it is connected to the misuse of the name of the Holy Spirit. We see places where people are manipulated and where people just want money or power, where they go, hey, God will move as long as you give me money. And if we hear stuff like that, it should rightfully turn us off. We should be going, hey, that's wrong. You can't buy or manufacture something. You can't, you can't buy God. And what can happen is we experience stuff like that and we're like, you know what? I'm good on all of it. Like, I'll just, I'll just hang back. I don't need any of this. Or we can see services where people are forcing something. Services where people are pushing people over, asking them to repeat after their own mumbling. And we can go, like, that doesn't seem like it either. For some of us, we are hesitant to embrace some of the gifts that the Holy Spirit offers us. Because we've seen it misused, and we've seen it in environments where it's like, that cannot be God. But I want to invite us to consider maybe God is again trying to get our attention. Maybe the Holy Spirit is inviting us to, to embrace him and follow where he is leading it. I, I do want you to know that if you desire it and he wants to give it to you, that the Holy Spirit can give you the gift of tongues. But I want you to know in that that no one has to force or you don't have to force anything. We're not trying to force anything on you. Instead, it's an invitation it is not something that is meant to be controlled or pushed on anyone. For me, my experience with the Holy Spirit has been a journey. I, I mentioned I, was, I grew up in a Baptist church, and my dad was a pastor. And, and I was always told that people, the, I, I knew them as the Pentecostals, were weird. And let's just be honest, there are weird people in churches, all different ranges of people. But I was told that what they did when they spoke in tongues and did all sorts of silly stuff, that that was wrong and bad. And so I just went, okay, I, I'll stay away from that. The problem was I started reading my Bible. And as I'm reading the whole New Testament, I'm like, wow, it seems like the Holy Spirit's in all of this. And I'm reading Paul's words. I'm reading Luke's words. And I'm reading Jesus' words. And I'm going, I, I think I've missed something. And so I began the journey of going, imagine it's like a big pool with the deep end, and I just started dipping my toe in. Like, Holy Spirit, I'm a little more open to this. And so I was at a church where Lee got saved, and, and they were way more what I would call charismatic. And, and honestly, there were some times that I was like, I don't know what to make of this. And there were some times that it got a little strange. And yet there was this part of me that was going, God, if there's more of you, if you're inviting me to, to not reject one-third of the Trinity and actually live my life independence of you, I want that. And so I was more and more open. And they had this conference that they hosted with a few other churches. And, and this guy spoke, and, and it was impactful. And he said at the end of it, if anyone in here would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit or like me to pray for them, I, I'd love to give you an opportunity. And I turned to Lee, and I was like, I think I need to go up there. And she's like, well, let's do it. I go, let's wait. 
and, and there was a few hundred people in the room, and I waited till it cleared right out. It was Lee and I holding hands because I'm like, I'm not letting go. I don't know what I feel about all this. I saw some stuff that I was like, I don't know what to make of this. And so Lee and I go up to the front, and this guy's standing there, and he's incredibly kind and easygoing and not at all the caricature I had made in my mind. And I said, I told him a little bit of my story, and I said, I'm open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do, but I have to be really honest. I'm pretty hesitant, and I don't want to force or manufacture anything, but I'm, I'm open. And he goes, awesome. Glad you're here. And he goes, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray for you. And I go, okay. And he puts his hand on me, and, uh, and I was holding Lee's hand, and I've never experienced anything like it. It was like electricity in my body. And I was like, that was weird. <laughs> In my head, I was like, I know I'm not, I'm not making something. I'm sure Lee's holding my hand as it's shaking, going, what is happening? And then he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay my hands on you. I'm going I'm to pray that you hear something. You're going to hear a word. And again, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm open, but I'm pretty hesitant. And so he prayed, and I heard a word. Now, to that point, I, I had experienced moments where I could sense God's presence, but I hadn't experienced anything like this. And so he prays for us, and then we go to leave, and, and I turn to Lee, and I'm like, hey, did, did you hear any words? And she's like, nope. And I go, cool. And she goes, did you? And I went, yep. And she's like, what is it? I'm like, it's weird. It's weird. And she's like, just share it. And so I shared. I, I heard the word Shema, and she's like, that is weird. And I went, yeah. And we walked away. And months later, I'm on the internet, and I'm going down the rabbit trail of Wikipedia. Anyone else ever been there? And I, uh, I see Jehovah Jireh, which is God the provider. And I was thinking a lot about God as the provider, Jehovah Jireh. And I scroll down to the bottom of the page, and I see a word, and every single hair on the entire, my entire body stood up on end. And I see the word Shema. And I go, oh, no. Oh, no. And so I click on the word hesitant because I'm like, what if it's something like, and I read Jehovah Shema. And you know what it means? It means God is there. God is here. And it wrecked me. Because I was reminded that even though I was hesitant and even though I was walking it out and even though I hadn't figured it all out and was on that journey that God was saying, I am here. And in the moments that you're willing to trust me, in the moments that you're willing to surrender, I am here. I want you to know that the same is true for you today. We're going to have a lot of weeks in the future that we're going to be able to unpack acts and where we see the Holy Spirit working. But I do not want to move forward without creating an opportunity for us to respond. In, in a moment before worship, we're going to invite some people to come up to the front, and we would like to pray for people that would like to experience the Holy Spirit. Francis Chan has this, this quote in Forgotten God that says this, The world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation, and the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice. That's what I want for us. Henry Blackaby says this. He says, will God ever ask you to do something you are not able to do? 
And the answer is yes, all the time. It must be that way for God's glory and kingdom. If we function according to our ability alone, we get the glory. If we function according to the power of the Spirit within us, God gets the glory. He wants to reveal himself to a watching world. One of the the most important things that we recognize when the Holy Spirit is at work in our life is that people know us by our love. The fruits of the Spirit are, are overflowing in our life. And so some of us, we can experience spiritual gifts. Some of us, miraculous things. And some of us, the most miraculous things is that God chips away at our hard heart and softens it and breaks it for people. And people experience us as loving and the kind of love that only Jesus can give us. And so I don't know where you're at. Listen, I can acknowledge there are people with a wide range of experience. Some people in here that are like, I don't know how I feel about all of this. But maybe you're like me where you go, I'm a little more open today than I was yesterday. I'm a little more open for God to meet me where I am. Maybe you want a word from God. I don't want to force anything, nor do I think God always works the same. But maybe you're thinking, I just want God to to remind me of something. I want him to speak to me. Or maybe you want the gift of tongues because you're thinking, I want to learn another language and and tell people about him. Or maybe you go, I want to pray with more power and, and pray in tongues. Or maybe you're just saying, God, I'll take any gift you want to give me. Holy Spirit, I'm I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go, and I'm willing to to embrace whatever you're trying to do in my midst. Maybe you just are in the place where, yet again, you need the Holy Spirit to fill you up and empower you. Or maybe you need breakthrough in your life. I just listed a whole bunch of things that apply to a bunch of us. and, And even for me, I go, there are moments where I think, I need more of you, God. Now, let me just unpack what we're gonna do. We're going to invite people, we'll play a little bit of music, we'll invite people to come up to the front, and the prayer team and Lee and I will pray for people. And they're not going to be long, aggressive prayers, nothing unnecessarily strange, nothing for simply an invitation for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. Just humble people going, I'm willing to invite and ask God to move. And so we want to pray with you, we want to pray in agreement with you and with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to miss the opportunity for us to pray for the Holy Spirit to move in our midst. And so what we'll do is is in a few moments, um, some of you can remain seated. seated, And and what I want to encourage is anyone that goes, "I, I think you're speaking to me or I think the Holy Spirit's asking me to move, to come up to the front. But before you do, I want to acknowledge that for some of us that there are things that hold us back. There are things that are outside of our control, and then there are things that are actually inside of our control. There are things that, that we are refusing Jesus to have lordship over that can hold us back from experiencing what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Henry and Melvin Blackaby say this, the Holy Spirit doesn't need to equip you for what you're not going to do. So if you're in rebellion against Jesus and refusing his right to be Lord, he doesn't need to send the Holy Spirit to equip you for service. And tragically, you miss out on the joy that he brings. So let the Holy Spirit deal with anything that's keeping you from obeying Christ. If you have anything in your life where you're saying, God, I'll give you all of me except for that, maybe right now the invitation is to deal with that. And so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you uh, to respond. 
before, before the worship team comes back up to actually create a moment where you can come up and we pray for you. And I don't want you to feel like you have to, even if you need to sit in your spot for a little bit, come up afterwards. You don't need to, you don't need to feel any kind of sense of people watching you. We're not here to, to observe. Instead, we just go, Holy Spirit, would you move? And so I want to pray for us, and then I want to invite you to respond. God, you know the people in the room that need to come up to the front. Even right now, you're poking and prodding. Even right now, there's probably some feelings in their stomach and in their body where they notice, I think he's speaking to me. And God, you also know I'm in the same boat where I need you. I need more of you. I, wanna, I want all that you offer. God, we believe that your Holy Spirit is not just for a few of us, but for all of us. And beyond that, we don't want to put you in a box and think that you're going to do what we want you to do. Instead, we ask you to do what you want to do. And so, God, as we respond, as we take a step, would you, would you meet our obedience with your presence? God, we don't desire power for power's sake. We desire your presence at work in us. God, move in our midst. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to lead by example because I think that's important. And so, prayer team, if you want to come up and when you're ready, come on up and we'll, uh, we'll pray for you.